Hey, it's Cindy Howes from the podcast Basic Folk, where we have honest conversations with folk musicians. Check out our very special 250th episode featuring an interview and performance with Basic Folk co-host Lizzie No. I feel like most women I know have an experience where they've been working and working and working to perform and to execute and to please everyone else, and then things sort of fall apart a little bit in some way or another. And partying can actually be a really important step towards getting free because it shows you where you need to fall apart and being on the dance floor, like in community with Mm. other women and Mm -hmm. in community with queer people. Mm -hmm. Like for me, those experiences have been so important. This time, Lizzie is on the other side of the mic talking about and performing songs from their brand new album, Half Seas. Basic Folk's 250th episode with Lizzie No is streaming now on the Bluegrass Situation Podcast Network. Join us there or wherever you get podcasts. Hi, and welcome to Basic Folk, where we have honest conversations with folk musicians on the Bluegrass Situation Podcast Network. I'm the host, Cindy Howes, and since we've done 200 episodes, I feel like we can do whatever we want, and we're doing that today. We have a really fun interview with Anna Tibble and Jeffrey Martin. Before we get into it, let's talk about our newsletter, Are You On It? It's a fun time. We send out a monthly email that keeps you up to date on what is all happening. If you'd like to sign up, you can go to our website, basicfolk.com. Would be great. Thumbs up. Or you can also follow us on social media. We're at Basic Folk Pod. Okay, fun times with our favorite non-duo duo, Anna Tivill and Jeffrey Martin. The pair met in the early 2010s in Portland, Oregon, bonded over songwriting, and have been together ever since. They got together at a time when they were both learning how to tour and they were able to figure it out as a pair. And yes, they have toured together and do tour together and have sang on each other's records, but there has never been an interest in an official collaboration. In this special interview, they discuss their thoughts and feelings on their partner's musical style, from how each learn to the way they each write songs. They discuss the space they give each other to be alone in creativity and how that space is key to their success as partners. Anna released her latest album, The Acclaimed Outsiders, in 2022, and Jeffrey is currently working on a new record. In fact, Jeffrey is recording his upcoming release in a small shack he built on their property in Portland. He completed the structure just in time for the pandemic to start, which was actually perfect timing since it meant he had his own space to work outside of his house, and they both had a place to perform their weekly live streams. Jeffrey is also quite handy and has agreed to build a house for me and don't think I won't hold him to it. We have it on tape, Jeffrey. Please enjoy this fun interview with two of my favorite people and musicians, Anna Tivill and Jeffrey Martin. What we're going to do is take a listen to an Anna song and then a Jeffrey song, and then we'll get to our conversation. So we're going to check out the title track from Anna's album, Outsiders. And then we'll hear Jeffrey's latest song that he released last year called I Know What I Know. And then we'll hear our conversation with Anna Tivill and Jeffrey Martin on Basic Folk. Watching the earth rise Out of the darkness, cerulean blue Water and thunder 
Don't tell me your story Don't reach for my hand I already know you Won't understand I've been building a world here With all that I need The smaller it is The easier it is to believe Anna and Jeffrey, thank you for talking to me on the podcast. Jeffrey, especially is thanks to you because you are in recording mode right now. So this might be a weird interview for you, but I appreciate it nonetheless. No, it's 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 good actually because I've been too much too much in my head doing this, but it's nice to step out for a second. Yeah, great. Um, before we begin, I want to give a shout out to the Songwriting Diaries podcast, where you both did an episode back in 2021. So like you, you did it together, much like our format today. But there's lots of cool information there. And if um, people haven't listened, I would recommend it. It's called the Songwriting Diaries podcast. Yeah. Um, okay. So you two met in Portland. We did. Maybe like 11 or 12 years ago. Jeffrey was playing at Mississippi Pizza. Um, a mutual friend brought Anna. There was this like after show gathering where songs were swapped. Just songs. Um, <laughs> not no saliva. Uh, well, how do you know all this, Cindy? Because I uh, am your um, arch- archivist. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. What do you recall, maybe not like that particular night, but if that you do have a recollection of that particular night, what do you recall of the other's music on first impression? Hmm. I, rem- oh, I think we both remember that night because we have a, a good friend of ours was there uh, at this show that I was playing. I think, did Clinton bring you in? Is that why you went there? Yeah, I think a buddy, a buddy of both of ours was, I was playing fiddle with his band and... And I had just started writing songs. He was like, oh, you should come down the street. This guy from Eugene is playing. I really love his songwriting. I just remember, I remember you weren't wearing shoes and you turned on the disco ball. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And there's a lot of kids eating pizza and it was just totally magical. I remember feeling... It's like that rare thing when you find art that makes you feel it just feels like recognition or something like oh you can do that with words oh I totally I totally feel that in my in my deepest gut and we went back Mm. after that show we went to Clinton's house our buddy and played music in his garage space and then that was like maybe the first time we ever really just swapped songs and uh yeah, that's what I remember. Was that before you were working on that first album? The uh, Lullaby album? I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah, I think we were just both kind of mm. figuring out what it all was to us. And... Were you aware of each other? Um, no. not, not I, I think I had seen Anna play with um, a buddy at a folk festival like a year or so before. But we didn't meet, I don't think. But I, yeah, I didn't know she was writing songs. And then I remember I was working in Eugene building houses and I just remember driving around listening to 
these really rough mixes that Anna had sent. I don't even know what you recorded those on because it was like before smartphone days. It must have been on some weird thing you had. But I just remember <laughs> listening in the truck to these like beautiful, weird, rough mixes of your very first album. And yeah, and just being like, wow, like nobody writes this way. Jeffrey grew up playing the cello and Anna played the fiddle as a kid, which is pretty cool that you both had... Um, your roots beginning on stringed in instruments. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if you've ever thought of this before, but how do you observe your origin in strings on each other's playing and writing now? And how do you observe it in your own playing? Well, Jeffrey just plays, what can you do with a drunken sailor over and over again? <laughs> I was just, I was just going to say, I mean, I did grow up playing the cello, but I, but Anna much more so grew up like playing fiddle and violin, like for real, like she was, and she is like so talented and I'm, I haven't touched a cello in like 20 years, but I've, I've thought about that a lot. Actually, I've talked about that with my folks, like how playing the cello growing up might've, I don't know, like what, what flavor it brought to songs later on and, and guitar playing later on. And, and I do, I think there's like a, a melodic sensibility to, to things that, that, that mm. comes from, uh, the, the kind of like flowy melodies on those instruments uh, obviously you can like pluck and get all staccato and stuff but to me like my favorite cello moments were the the slow like covers of Beatles songs that were like really just melodic and I could feel it in my whole body and and I feel I feel like I'm chasing that still with, with guitar and stuff now. but Anna you were legit you were like fiddle camp and <laughs> I don't know if that's legit. Uh, I do think we both. Sorry if that's loud. I'm dog sitting and there's an electronic kibble machine that just spit out so many kibbles and the dog got Listen, so excited. You gotta eat. <laughs> oh, there's a kibble situation. Uh, I yeah, I do think that we both for for maybe strings reason just like taking in music that way on a on instruments that are that are kind of like melody based um or that feel very vocal that i kind of mm. think oh, yeah, we that's both a good way to put it yeah come at it that way or especially jeffrey like i could just speak a poem over a random assortment of chords that i know and feel like that song's done but i Really, like Jeffrey will walk around for days and months and years with like wordless melodies happening in his mind, and I think you have about one billion voice memos of melodic ideas, which is something that I really respect and love about his music. And I, I don't think I come at it melody first very often, but I really like that. Um, so before Anna and I were talking and I was telling her that I, um, worried as an interviewer, I'm writing the same question over and over again. So if you think that this is like too similar to the previous question, we can just skip it. But in terms of the learning methods of how you really like dug into performing. So Jeffrey, you haven't touched a cello in 20 years, but guitar is like a pretty big deal instrument for you and it was kind of like the first big deal instrument and you started playing guitar in the church Anna started learning music by the Suzuki method so 
how can you see traces of how the other learned in their performing and writing? I mean, Anna, you still have. Well, I don't know a lot. I don't know a lot about the Suzuki method. I, am, I, I feel like what I, what I what I what I understand about it is like you, it's like you're you're. It's really an, an intuitive way to learn. Like you're listening and playing, and, and instead of like some like regimented, very strict thing. Is that true, Anna? That yeah, like, it's a lot of ear. I mean, I think it's taught. If some of it's, yeah, maybe depending on how how like stickler your teacher is but a lot a lot of it's like ear and memorization and stuff which is cool so it ends up being kind of like a exercise in listening a lot like you still have you have such an ear for what 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 a thing should sound like or or what it could sound like when we're working on like harmonies and stuff sometimes or like sometimes you have melody suggestions that are like things that you hear so clearly in your mind I think that I just I don't have access to and I certainly never learned cello that way cello was always very like like I loved it when I was playing but it was also it didn't feel anything like music does to me now and I wish that I had mm. I'd had a a more free like experience with the cello because I wonder what would have happened but um, yeah I don't I don't know I mean church-wise there's a there's a ton of shit that influenced and still influences the way I play guitar and write songs and stuff. Um, but also I try and like anything. I just noticed this the other day. I was working on a new song and it reminded me of a church song, like a church. Uh-oh. And, and I canned it like in, like I just <laughs> just stopped. So I, so it's there's no part of me that's like, oh, I'm I don't know. I'm kind of like I don't want anything to sound like any of the church music I ever played growing up. But it, it definitely helped formulate like mm. how things but move. I think there's like this like not in a churchy or unchurchy way at all I always wonder if like you you always seem so connected to the like you're really good at making melodies hold gravity and it and like taking your time in this way that I often feel with hymns there's like the you know the there's like the hymns that are like him Jesus I don't know how to say it. <laughs> you say him? Like him your pants? How do you say it? Him? Him? him. Like a hymnal? <laughs> I've only read the heathen hymnal. <laughs> Somebody uh, didn't go to church. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like, there's cheesier church music, and then there's the hymns that every, it just it doesn't matter where you're coming at it from it's just so flipping beautiful and yeah yeah, yeah. like the yeah. christmas songs or like oh holy night and things ave maria that just people just feel it and i i always wonder i don't know you have a quality of that in your music often in your melodies and like the way you take your time with choruses and take your time kind of like rounding out a thought i, hmm. I always wonder I don't know. And also in like the presentation of, yeah, sometimes I listen to your dad talk who was a pastor and like, oh man, I feel like you grew up watching this person like share their heart in a really weighty way with people in a really like humble way that feels very real. And I, I don't know, I've always felt like you do that really well, both in like teaching situations and in music. 
I never know what to do with old. The great way. Like those old. There's what's that song? I was just I was just working on an old hymnal song. Like uh, be thou my vision. Do you remember that song? That's a like such an amazing melody. That's a good one. And it's, it's like I I always feel like drawn to record those songs, or play those songs at shows and stuff. Like I really want to like, but then I don't want it, it to bring any like potential religious baggage to a show or to an album or anything but i wish that you could co- like cover those songs in a i don't know a pure like a yeah and maybe maybe i can but i just those are amazing melodies you know what some people do in shows that drives me crazy they'll be playing one of their songs and then all of a sudden they'll like glenn hansard is famous for this <laughs> he'll be playing his song and then all of a sudden he'll like lo- like start he'll he'll start playing like ring of fire it's like look how similar (laughs) my song is to ring of fire and it's like such a parlor trick but anyways you could do that with him yeah look how similar my song is to god's such a weird effect yeah work your way from like god is my (laughs) co-writer oh man you're your um your voices have evolved over the years how did singing together and for each other impact your voices and what do you think of your evolution of singing Ooh, anna you go first a lot for me a lot i think jeffrey's voice is like very the doctor once told him he has a large throat and i love in it that just is like, like thanks for putting my <laughs> Large throat information out into the world. That's a HIPAA violation. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, there's like this, this like huge warm roundness to his voice that is just like everything to, that I love about singing. When when somebody can like just envelop you with with very like raw, great vocals, and I I've always felt really shy or or kind of like bottled up with with my voice and I definitely think I always listen to Jeffrey sing and and remember that you can just let it out and be be more free and and like be more explorative exploratory uh melodically yeah and then I think I just love to sing with him I love it I feel like harmonies there's like some people that your your harmony ideas or just you don't have any ideas and then other people that it feels so natural to sing with and I've always really loved hmm. to sing with yeah. Jeffrey. It's I love why well, I don't love I actually hate but I love that there's a record that exists both for Anna and I of, of early recordings and first albums and stuff where we were both uh, completely like untrained singers never never took any lessons and I and you can tell like uh especially in those early ones because like there are songs that I still play that I wrote 15 years ago but it's but I sing them so differently now than I did back then because I just didn't know what a voice could do like I didn't know what you were allowed to do really and so my version of singing I feel like when I was first writing songs was was probably based on the, what it felt like to sing in church with a group of people where you're not listening to the nuances of your own voice. 
you're just kind of like opening mm -hmm. your mouth and squawking and in like I felt happy I remember feeling like when I made this my very first recordings I remember being so excited that I could sing in in a key like I could sing a note that I wanted to sing but now looking back it's like I listen to those recordings and, and I, f I hear how closed up my voice was and how f afraid I was just to like relax into it and let it be and I don't know it's been a I think maybe in that way it's been a journey for both of us like realizing like you can just kind of like uh sing with a lot less effort and then all of a sudden it becomes way more interesting and way more powerful sometimes and sometimes over singing starts to get pretty tiresome and, and that was hmm. that's what i hear in my early my early voice hmm. yeah me too just listening to i think we both have really tenuous relationships with our with our earliest recordings of just, you can just hear so much of your where you were emotionally also it just <laughs> yeah. what was what you were fearful of and what you felt insecure about and what your ability to to like open yourself up just comes out so much in your voice two have never wanted to be a duo or like an official band um i'm wondering if there's like any pressure to team up to be a duo <laughs> to record together um but just in general can you expand on why that is there i don't feel any real pressure i mean there's always people at shows and sometimes they like suggest that idea as if it's novel like hey have you ever thought about you know, you guys making an album together and whatever. Do I have a million dollar idea <laughs> yeah. for you? And I get it. I mean, I think that would be really fun to do someday. I think what what's we're both just really honestly chasing what we feel compelled to write. And if we felt compelled to write together on a project, I think we would do that. But just f for as long as we've been together and known each other, like it's been a really beautiful thing to like for me to see in a have to write what she writes and, and for her to see me have to write what I have to write and there's this really weird line in my mind at least between it's a spectrum but there's definitely a line I cross where I'm chasing a thing that could be really entertaining and I don't even mean in like a vapid way but just like this could be people would really end be really into this or am I chasing the thing like that's... can you wait can you talk a little bit more about that like when you say not in a vapid way but people would be into it well there's there's just there's a whole side of music that's that's entertainment you know it's like uh it's it's things that are enjoyable to listen to sometimes or things that make you shake your ass or whatever it is and like and uh, and that stuff is really important also but i i just for whatever reason i've always been drawn to exploring what i feel like i need to say for myself and and so that that hasn't uh not yet at least i haven't felt the itch to like hey let's let's team up on a project and try and make something together if that makes any sense it just feels i love i love how distinct you know like ann and i live together and we share a space and we we spend a lot of time together but still we can go our separate ways in writing and and produce really different things and i love 
that mm. that aspect. I don't know if that makes any sense. Anna, what do you think? You want to be a duo? Yeah. <laughs> I've just been wait, <laughs> waiting for you to ask. Uh, I, what I the totally, hell? Yeah, I totally agree. And I think we both have felt really... Like we don't know what we're doing and we never have. We just both individually have always seemed really driven by the writing part and mm-hmm. which is nice to to be making a life with somebody who has, seems to have the same like gut artistic drives and so you can kind of understand each other like right now we have Jeffrey's in this little shack that he built and then like five feet away from it is this little old trailer that we drug into the yard and that I write in there and he writes in the shack and it it just feels like I don't know we've we feed the we feed the part of it that that feels really important to our hearts, I guess, and I I don't think mm. either of us has ever. I think we could get into writing together someday, but we just like don't don't seem to either of us have have the drive to do that. We really like the process of sitting alone and exploring mm. that landscape. I think it's weird. I mean, I get I get why people ask about it, and I get the the like why why that's an exciting idea i guess but i if 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 anna and i were writing books each of us or if we were if anna was like a poet purely and whatever no one would ever say like when are you going to write a book together or you know and 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 i and i i know that music is different but in our minds i think if it very much feels like writing first and then finding out how to put that writing into music and so Mm. it feels really solitary in a good way I think it was Anna who was the one that said there's a lot of joy in being a hermit and coming back with songs to share. Can you talk about what it's like being alone um, in your, especially in your relationship? Like when you're talking about um, you're not writing together, you're writing in separate places, but like being alone, especially in your relationship where your partner is giving you the space. I mean, it's beautiful. It's the best thing. And it's the strangest thing sometimes, you know, sometimes it's the best gift. Some, we swap being home a lot because we're, we're both touring a lot. And so, you know, Anna will go out for three weeks and I'll be home and then she'll come home and I'll go out on tour sometimes like that. And, and I think we both have a similar experience every time that happens where the first few days alone at home, we just self-destruct entirely and and we stay up too late and eat shittily and the house becomes destroyed and and then we put the pieces back together and then it becomes this like really kind of like i don't know it sometimes it feels like monastic or something i don't know if that's the right word but it, it's like it's, it's just a, what a gift to be able to be with somebody but also to have these chunks of time that are so solitary and you can let your mind go way past where you wanted it to go and then it gets into a place you never thought it would go and your writing goes there too and then your person gets back home and you can share all the weird shit you found in your brain and like i don't know that's that's how it feels on on good times i think or in good times the pandemic was so interesting because it that we've never we've been together you know a long time and but we've never been together that much you know we, we have never mm. just like spent yeah two years in the same place at the same time and but we definitely have spent a lot of time in small spaces together so it wasn't hard it just was really different the 
the the movement of the day and everything was really different and I I think when touring started again it, it really made me realize what a gift it is to like go in your own mind and just get like bombarded by the world and then bring home separate things to each other you're like bringing home bits of the world that you took in and what what moved you and what was funny and what was weird and it was an experience that just one of you had and you're sort of like having this constant push and pull of I don't know yeah just bringing bringing things to each other and I I think the pandemic made me think oh that's such a it's such a beautiful thing that we get to have that maybe isn't yeah isn't everybody's working life experience to Mm. to like be away from each other so much and then come home and be like whoa this person I met was amazing or like this thing was so strange and made me feel so much I think yeah we're I think we're both pretty like solitary people to a fault like both of us and Mm -hmm. uh and that's okay I think we've like made our peace with it but I I sometimes the the but I don't know. Occasionally, we like get to see how other people's relationships work, and I think it freaks us both out a little bit. Like, <laughs> like, you mean every time you go to the grocery store, you're there together, and like, like stuff like that is is really strange to me because I think just because of the schedule of our lives, we spend guys, so much time. You ever, you ever hang out? Separate. You ever hang out with lesbians? <laughs> they're what always together always the grocery store every they're day all always the time. <laughs> every you know they do everything together from the perspective of discovery your solitude leads to innate and often often covert findings it's almost like when you um do you take the solitude you go into like a research mode mm-hmm. for your songwriting although it's you have to be like very you can't be too aggressive with yeah. it or the songs won't come <laughs> but you've talked about how the job of songwriting looks different from other jobs where it may look like you're not actually like accomplishing anything and this is a world where so much is expected in terms of creation and in, in terms of accomplishments and productivity but that's just like not what being a songwriter looks like. So can you talk about the struggle to prioritize your solitude over content creation? Oh, man. Cindy with the heavy questions. (laughs) (laughs) We talk about this all the time. And and I think that it it took a long time, but lately we both feel really peaceful about the way that doing this for a for a job or just as a way to move through the world is there there's a lot of things that don't make sense in the in the real world of just the way you spend your time and the amount of time you dedicate to kind of creating space so you can be experiencing and thinking and processing and and it and it might seem like your day is a a weird non-thing but there's I don't know, just like letting letting that be part of it. I don't know. I don't know yeah. how you feel about yeah. this, Jeffrey, but it took me a long time to settle down and not feel guilty about about like having a really long walk where I'm like writing a poem in my head be an okay way to spend the day and yeah. that's like part of part of writing and part of being creative. 
um it's yeah yeah it's, it's a strange that's a forever battle i think to feel okay or to feel like you're um contributing in a, in a society that has pretty clearly defined even if they're pretty fucked up in my mind but pretty clearly defined uh definitions of like here's how you contribute and here's how you don't contribute to our society and whatever and like i'm i i i spend a lot of time working in much more conventional things uh before i was all in with music and uh i yeah there's there's many times a day where i have to remind myself not to feel bad about myself because my time doesn't resemble other people's time but the the work is the same i've found the time required to produce the the good work is the same as anything it's just broken up so differently you know you'll 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 spend a month on like a grueling tour in a different city every night and and i think from a distance people can romanticize that beyond what it is and then and then you come home and you try to readjust to being home for a chunk of time and 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 that takes mental energy too and like uh it's just it's a yeah it's a it's a strange thing i think sometimes both of us wish like oh i wish i could just wake up at eight o'clock today and start making donuts for somebody and be done at five and and that, and that sounds like the structure of that is really appealing to me sometimes but but there is like an expansiveness required to write you have to like put your mind or protect your mind and protect the things that you care about in your mind and then give it space to let that stuff clarify enough to like put it into words or to to chase down ideas that mean something to you and and yeah but we often joke about like what our neighbors might think of us you know like we're gone for chunks of time and then all of a sudden we're home and we're like wearing sweatpants and walking dogs at 1 p.m every day and like <laughs> you know I used to, I used to feel this like oh I I should probably go tell them like why we're this way you know but I don't I don't they care can, anymore they can hear us singing the same line over and over again <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> two two in the morning yeah. just yeah I I do think we both think a lot about ways to protect the like heart of what we love about getting to make music which is like the writing and the expression and then and then trying to share that with people in real ways and kind of protecting that from from the business content machine thing and just like really like it's hard to try to grow something that maybe can be sustainable and you can make a life of it and truly try to ignore <laughs> all the factors of it that take away from from the just pure kind of love of trying to observe the world and express it yeah in front of people and yeah i think we ha we yeah we have a lot of talks about just just like mm. letting letting the all the other noise not matter and just even if we're broke when we're 90 and just but we just love writing then that will be a life well lived you know you guys can come live with me and my doctor wife. Oh, Great. yes. It's good to have Done. that officially recorded. <laughs> yeah. That's just going to be Let a the record show. There is a concrete part of our plan. I mean, there's a big trade-off. <laughs> there's a big trade-off to this kind of life, I, th I think. It's like, it is, I, th I feel like you have to 
be okay with instability in a lot of ways or the or like uh you know we are broke and we are uh putting every you know every dollar we make we put back into music so we can go back on tour or we can make an album again or whatever it is and like there's a there's a there's an absurd aspect to it that's like man what like what are we doing right now and but at the same time mm -hmm. i often think like if if we had a kid or if if i was still like teaching and, and a student came to me asking for advice or something about what they should do like like I've, I often feel really lucky that I've managed to like find my way into something that allows me to have the time to like explore my mind and explore life. And it doesn't have mm. to be music. I just mean like the time, like, and maybe you feel that way too, Cindy, like in a lot of ways, you know, you, you, you've kind of built this thing for yourself and, and you, you, you're the one who determines what you do with a lot of your time. And that's a gift that comes with a trade-off because a lot of the questions yeah. like, what to do with your time and how much money you're going to make and health insurance and all that stuff those aren't answered for you but in exchange you do get the freedom to explore and Anna's new album uh, NPR Music's Ann Powers number one album of 2022 titled Outsiders um, focuses on otherness and what are the forces that keep us from connecting amongst other things. So being an outcast or being an outsider, what is your perspective on being an outsider? How has it changed recently maybe? And also especially when thinking about how unconventional your workflow is and, and beyond that. I was just, while Jeffrey was talking, I was thinking about how much Sometimes I have this really strong feeling of how I thought of the world and myself in it and people moving around me before I got the chance to tour. You're just like kind of within the bubble of your life and whatever it is and where you're working and and then and then how it feels to have for like more than a decade now just like gone from town to town and and sort of like stayed in people's living rooms and heard all these stories from different different places in the world and, and I don't know I think that's like my favorite part of this job is this constant reminder that or you sometimes feel like you're so outside of the way society is moving around and then and then also you're just like constantly reminded that everyone is living these narratives and having their own bucket of struggle and love and there's just no I don't know I just have constantly having this experience are you saying that everyone everyone is an outsider yeah everyone feels like an outsider or that's what feels so like exploring I just think I'm constantly I'm having insider. <laughs> you're, you're in the know. <laughs> I, 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 I agree, and I think. <laughs> I mean, I think all. I think both of our like favorite songs are probably songs that that in some way like help illuminate or or remind people when they listen to them that that their their story that can feel really mundane in the day to day is actually profound and and. And so I don't I don't feel like an outsider. 
or or like you said, Cindy, I just if, I guess everyone is an outsider, and, and we all just forget that for chunks of time, or we forget to celebrate it at least. And, yeah. So the shack, your Jeffrey is sitting in the shacks right now. We talked about it a little bit. Um, Jeffrey, you built a structure on your property that you perform in. You did a lot of live streams during the quarantine. You write in the shack. You record in the shack. And you finished it right when the pandemic started. So what is the story of how the building came to be and how has it changed your work? Uh, Well, Anna and I, we live in a garage that we turned into like a little lofted studio apartment years ago. And it's it's fantastic, but it's, uh, you know, there's no separation, there's no space in it. And, and we, we just really wanted like a separate space that was dedicated to writing and, and making music and whatever. And so that's why I built it, but it's been, it just it just makes me feel a little bit like I'm going to work in a really good way. And I think Anna feels this way too about the trailer she has now. It's like, I'm leaving the space where I cook eggs and I'm gonna go into the space where I write songs. And that <laughs> and they're only like twelve feet apart, really, but it that that distance is, is makes all the difference and uh, yeah, it just a good commute though. Yeah. Twelve feet. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love when Can you... Oh, go ahead, Cindy. Oh no, you you go ahead. I, I wanna hear from Jeffrey at some point the actual like nuts and bolts. If you can Nuts and bolts put of, it in layman's terms of of how you built a shack. Oh, like yeah, how did the you structure. Build the shack? I mean, it's yeah. it's 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 yeah, it's just a like a tool shed with no tools in it, you know. So it's like it's all it's pretty cheaply built. Uh, I don't know, and it's is it like a prefab thing? No, I mean I just built it, but uh, I don't know. I don't know how to explain. I don't know. It's like it's just a framed structure like any other, like a house or anything, but it's just one room, like eight by six or something with a door mm-hmm. and a window. And that's all. I don't know. How long did it take to build it? Like a week. Can you come to my house and build one? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we can do that. All right. Great. Yeah. <laughs> I think the problem with like Jeffrey has so many building skills and I think this morning he spent the morning over at the neighbor's house fixing their furnace. <laughs> like the word the word gets out. It's like if you are really good at fixing cars, like the word gets out, or you're the person in the neighborhood that has the truck or something. Right. Or like the doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like always yeah. texting and calling Elizabeth. Yeah. yeah. Hey, how are you doing? And also, does this mole look weird? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Looks great. <laughs> <laughs> but then, like, when you're, I don't know if Anna, you're like, you need to fix this faucet. And then, like, months will go by. And I'm like, Elizabeth, I have this, like, weird bruise. She's like, looks fine. Looks <laughs> <laughs> fine. It's me. <laughs> um, Jeffrey, you talked about how your songwriting changed because of quarantine and the pandemic. And you can now stay in that weird reclusive space for weeks on end. Yeah. Impressive, even if you have to do real person things during the day. <laughs> can you talk about the process of being comfortable in that space, and how can you maintain it when you're actually like doing those like real people things? Yeah, I, 
yeah, that was the most unexpected thing about this whole chunk of time was you know, like learning that I needed to learn to be proud of that, uh, I guess is the way to say that. But it, I just feel like it's something that would pop up before that in my, when I'd get into the flow of writing or something and I'd, you know, I'd go down some weird corners and then feel like I needed to kind of rein myself back in because I don't know, I don't know why. Uh, and, and then just maybe because of everything felt so weird during the pandemic that I felt this freedom to just lean into it and and it has really changed the way I write and the way I play music now too. It just feels a lot more free to me. And uh, Anna, do you notice a difference? Yeah, totally. It's been really cool to watch. Sometimes I feel like, I don't know, tell me if this sounds wrong to you, Jeffrey, that like you have you've worked a lot of jobs and you have a lot of real world skills and know-how and like you taught kids and you've built houses and these things that like put you in worlds that are very like moving at a at a certain Mm. in a certain way and I, I sometimes think that I don't know you've like taken a long road to being comfortable with moving in this way because because you know what it feels like to be very effective at at like showing up to work and laying the foundation it's yeah maybe it's been hard to like let yourself fully go out there and but it's been really beautiful to I I just feel like you've been like digging in deeper and deeper in your writings getting more and more free and yeah 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 just like it's it's really I've been really inspired watching you the past couple years Mm. dig in it might be just an age, cool. an age thing, too. Really, I mean, <laughs> yeah, like, you are a hundred years old. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Just when when I was younger, I felt like I, there were all these maybe even subconscious things, like I needed to be this way or I needed to move through the world in this way, and uh, hmm. I don't really feel that as much now. And I don't know. Um, of your writing process, uh, Jeffrey has a hard time writing about the present and needs time to process things. You called yourself. On the songwriting diaries, you called yourself like a crockpot, which is great. Um, and you Crush. also mentioned that you think the the present moment is more expressed in Anna songs, which I can agree to that. Um, how do you see those aspects of your writing expressed in yourself outside of your music? Hmm. <laughs> it's I mean that's yeah that's a great question, but it's funny to me to like Anna. There's so many ways that that expresses itself outside of music. Like, I feel like I need, even as life is happening in the moment, in in every aspect, it would be great if I could have a year or two to process it. I feel like way more than me, Anna Anna wakes up and and does the thing, you know? It's like, like, there's many days where I'm, it takes me a good, I don't know, hour and a half to wake up and, and a, seven minutes into being awake is like would you like to walk to the next town over with the dogs or something and and i <laughs> haven't even yeah and yeah it's just a slowness of mind <laughs> <laughs> i think <laughs> i think it's really interesting though because you asked that question but i i also have always felt really slow at figuring out how I feel about anything and even even like in situations like this you ask such good questions and I always 
have this like pit of my stomach feeling like I'm not expressing what I'd like in like real time I'm not ever satisfied with my expression of what I am feeling and and I often feel like in situations like this Jeffrey is is very like graceful and and able to put his words together in real time in a way that I'm like oh yeah that makes total sense and then I say like a blob of shit and then that I have to like back myself out of eventually but but I do yeah and then it's like he expresses what he's already expressed so beautifully in like a year he'll express in a song really beautifully and I don't know maybe my working through my backward blob is like happens in songwriting that's like mm. where I'm working it out in real time but yeah otherwise I'm a mess you're a lot more immediate I, with or you're a lot more in the world of words than I am just on a day-to-day basis like you read way more than I read and you write way more than I write and I, I feel like it gives you this like uh this this vocabulary that you have at the ready when 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 stuff in life happens that you observe or stuff says the guy who brought out the way <laughs> well, no, no. yeah but i don't quite know what that word means so in it the interview. Count. but, but oh, i'm reading for like really going for it <laughs> <laughs> reach for the stars it makes me free. feel really gymnastic you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i like i think i'm always taking in a lot of like flowery poetic kind of formatted novels and poems and I often feel like Jeffrey's taking in a lot of amazing information like he'll he'll come in from the shack and I'll be like listen to this poem that vaguely is about love and he'll be like did you know that they're making mice age backwards uh, uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's true that's like a daily <laughs> yeah. it's good I think it's good to be around him it's like real real earth things are happening in his mind um, do you guys alright so I've talked recently about negative bias with Mark Aureli on the podcast um, it's basically do you know what it is negative bias it's like your brain trying to keep you safe as safe as possible like your brain is trying to like so it's it takes all of the feedback that you get from the world and it only like pays attention to the negative feedback Um, yeah and then it like plays in a loop in your head and it's all so that the saber-toothed tiger doesn't eat you you. like you need Um, to pay the most attention to the worst things because right right because you're gonna have to yeah you're trying to like survive you know but like it's an it's an old um, it's an old like caveman days thing that our brain hasn't evolved out of yeah. quite yet. But can you imagine what humanity will be like once negative bias is like been eviscerated? No. Unstoppable. <laughs> or terrifying. Well, I love your optimism. Man. <laughs> <laughs> like we already take enough pictures of ourselves. <laughs> if we had no like <laughs> negative narrative happening, that might get. <laughs> overwhelming i has i hesitate to ask this question after bringing up negative bias but um anna uh we were talking about how you read a lot of books you listen to a lot of music and you say you can feel the lens narrow if you aren't doing that and the more words that you take in the wider your lens get some artists actually like 
do the opposite where they will not listen to or read anything, especially when they're in sort of like an, a writing mode to avoid being over-influenced. How do you manage this practice and still find your own voice in it? I think I just try not to think about it that way, right? I just try not to like put weight on that because listening, like reading and listening to other people express the world just I think that just feels really inspiring to me like a lot of days I've been like working on the same verse for two days straight and it's going nowhere and then I just like watch a bunch of music videos of people just brilliantly expressing things and all of a sudden I want to write and I don't think I really care as long as I'm not trying to write what they wrote I don't think I really (laughs) mind that it's all washing around in there because you can't like if you even in the world a little bit you can't help but being like permanently soaking up everybody's everything and I I think maybe that's just my way and I don't I don't mind if if like parts of my voice come from somewhere because all of my voice surely comes from somewhere as long as it feels like emotionally real to me then I then that feels safe from like parroting uh, things that you've taken in and Mm. yeah I just think maybe that's just that's just my way maybe Jeffrey I think has a little bit of a different way well Jeffrey plagiarizes the lord (laughs) (laughs) it's bold yeah I, I can't really put it into I can't explain it really I just know that I feel when I am in that space that I want to be writing or really creative I don't I feel bad when I hear other things I just feel bad in my body like I feel like it takes me away from that place mm. and and it's not like there's any one way that's better than the other or anything it just it's just me res- mm. like I'm just I've, I've kind of learned I think a little over the years to respond to the things that pull me away from the, the place I want to be or push me towards it and so Jeffrey is recording right now. Are you recording for an album? Yeah, I'm making an album right now. Awesome. Um, and Anna just put out a record last year, Outsiders. Yeah. What's it like to balance your projects? Do you try to avoid syncing up releases or anything like that? <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> I mean, this is Anna. Anna puts out a lot more music than I do, uh, so there's there's no balance to it at all. Um, but no we don't think about that at all we just the whole the whole strategic business side of this whole thing which is important but it's like the very very last thought of of all this for both of us I think and so we're just you know if if we if we're able to write we're writing and and when an album we have an urge to record we do it yeah 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 I think yeah we both feel really strongly about that or and it's nice to be in the world next to each other because you get there's a lot of noise that's not that and just to like watch your person function on the level of like oh I gotta write right now or I this is the most important part it, it, it's like constantly reminds constantly reminds you that oh yeah that is also what resonates with me deeply and I don't need to think about the yeah the calendar or the content part of it um it won't it won't make what I'm making better ever. Hmm. We do have good help though, like both of us. Great help mm-hmm. in the in the world of business and whatever and like so you know, if if like 
Ann and I wanted Someone else to, pays attention to your calendar. Yeah, like if we wanted to release albums on the same day, there would be a few people that would say, maybe we should not do that. And, yeah, <laughs> that's been good. Then you can be like, but I feel it in my body. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much how those conversations yeah, go. <laughs> yes, we, have, we have the same wonderful manager who you know, Cindy, who is like our, yeah. such a friend. And so I think... He, but yeah, he is very good at. He would be. He would probably be like, "I respect that." <laughs> it's like your body knows what's you best. Assholes. <laughs> your, body, yeah. your body knows what's best. <laughs> um, okay, so before we leave, we're gonna do a lightning round. Um, this is a very special lightning round. It's called "Which One." <laughs> so I'm gonna ask you a question, and you're going to answer it. Um, in, in, I'm going to go one, two, three, and then you're going to say either Anna or Jeffrey oh, Jesus. Okay. does that better. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, does that yeah. better. Okay, yeah. Does, which one does it better? Okay. Which one is the better driver? One, two, three. Me. Jeffrey. <laughs> <laughs> Except for I'm really good at parallel parking. <laughs> Wow. Right. <laughs> With or without the backup camera? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Great. Okay. Next one. Which one always eats their vegetables? One, two, three. And, uh... Me. <laughs> Damn it. Okay. Which one has jokes? One. <laughs> Two, three. <laughs> Wait, this is a tricky one. You should, if you phrase that question, which one thinks they have jokes? Then it would be Anna all day long. I think you've got great jokes. Maybe your jokes are more thought through also. Your jokes are more funny, possibly. I hate to say it. <laughs> okay, next one. Which one is more likely to run for office? One, <laughs> two, three. Oh, no, no, fuck no. I don't think that would be good for anybody. <laughs> the public wouldn't appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, even in this moment we're in, it would still be a terrible, terrible thing. <laughs> okay, which one is always late? One, two, three. Me? Am I, am I more late than you? Maybe so. I guess we can think about who missed the first iteration of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, I don't yes. know. Yeah. We're, Dear listener. Yeah. Back to my slow we mind. Were, we, were meant to, we were meant to record hours earlier. <laughs> Anna was on the Zoom. I missed that. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, just a couple more. Which one is more sporty? One, <laughs> two, three. Anna. I don't, well, okay. I mean, I move my body a lot so my mind doesn't get sad, but Jeffrey's, like, stupidly good at all games. Yeah, but just dumb yeah. games. Like, throw the cup into the other cup or some shit like that. <laughs> like, you know, you played soccer for <laughs> a decade. Throw the cup into the other cup. <laughs> okay, we'll do, we'll do one more, okay? Okay. Which one is a better liar? One, two... Three. Me. Oh, yeah, I think I'm maybe. A liar. Yeah, you might be. 
Yeah. I want to be better. Yeah, she, I want to be a better liar. <laughs> oh, that's great. Wonderful. <laughs> Glad to hear about it. Well, those are great. Uh, well that's it. Those great. great. Okay. Thank you for playing Which One and being on Basic Folk. Thanks for um, having us. If you're listening in real time, it is my birthday, so you may wish me happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. I'm 40 wonderful years. <laughs> 41 wonderful. <laughs> right. Well, this is cool. Thank you so much, guys. I, I had a lot of fun. Thank you. We did, we did too. too. Thanks, Cindy. This episode of Basic Folk was produced by John Nungesser. We are on the Bluegrass Situation Podcast Network. You can find us there. You can search for us on the SiriusXM app under Basic Folk. You can go to our website, basicfolk.com, or find us wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it, rate, review, subscribe, all that. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.